Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. My special guest tonight is poet Nicole Gillespie. She's the author of two books of poetry, Transparent Moments, the book of poems, and Mirror's Reflection. And she recently won the People's Choice Award in Kansas City, Missouri for Best Author. Welcome, Nicole, to the program. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Dr. Ingram? I'm quite well. I'm quite well. I'm so glad to have you with me. Thank you for All right. having me. Yes. Are you ready to start this poetic journey with me? Yes. Yes, sir. I'm so ready. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let's begin. What is poetry, Nicole? To me, poetry is the rhythm of the soul. It's a voice within. I think um, poetry, it just speaks out. It's like it's like mourning. It's like joy. It's like peace. It's like music of the soul to me. Wow, that's beautiful. Tell me more about poetry. Tell us what do you think poetry, it is. Um, it's a release. When I was younger, mm. I found um, I found poetry be very uh, therapeutic to me. You know, I mean, I, I feel like kind of like the black sheep of the family. Not saying mm-hmm. in a bad way, just and I okay. found ways of speaking out through through writing, through words. So I was um, saying that, like, through words, I was just saying that how my mom used to always tell me if I asked her what a word meant or anything like that, she would, like, go get the dictionary or the, the source or something like that and sound it out. And from that part, I started having a love of words. So mm. that word is very powerful, especially very metaphors. Nice. I love using metaphors, yes. Yes, very nice, very nice. So why then, in a general sense, is poetry important? In a general sense, poetry is important because it just, to me, it sounds alarm. It's a different way of, um, it's just so important because it's just, sorry, I'm just a little nervous. It's That's okay. To me, it's a different. It's a different genre of speaking. It's a different language. It has a different accent. And sometimes, you know, others can hear you. I, I tell people, if you can read between the lines of my poetry, then you get me. Then I can notice the ones that get me. You get what I'm saying? It's just yes, a I form do. Of, of, yes, it's a form of alarm. It's a form of, of speaking deeply. Because sometimes people say things, but you got to read between the lines. So I think when you put stuff in a creative form with words, I think they get you more. You can relate to emotions. You get what I'm saying? Yes, I, think, I do. I think, yes. I think that was a beautiful answer. A beautiful answer. Now, let me ask this question. As you think about your work, you've written two books. What are some of the predominant themes? What do you write about in your work? Ooh, I'm just the biggest romantic. I write about love and spirituality because I write about love in my spiritual state. Like, I'm a Christian. My grandma embedded that in me. So, But it's not like these, us, and thous. It's just like the real things of life, the struggles you go through with being a Christian and just just being real. So mine's just about love because I'm the biggest romantic and about spirituality. Please share a poem. Please share a poem. I would love to. I want to do the first one. It's called Fearing Boat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes I find myself burying myself within myself, like a child, hiding not only his head, but his whole body deep underneath covers, running from whatever is out there, unknown in the dark, panicking as if there's no hope for tomorrow. At times I feel as if it's unfair that I was ever born into these conditions we call life. How guilty I feel for even birthing my children into this damn world. 
because I was too scared to walk in it alone, into its transparent darkness, how selfish of me. Oh, why have I subjected my children to this chaotic way of existing? My soul has found no contentment. It is so restless. I struggle between the the normalities of the flesh versus the normalities of the spirit. Yes, at times, more than not, I want to live in this world with no limits, but I find soothing boundaries blocking my need to fit into this lackluster world. It's almost like hope I cannot touch. That's why I beat my flesh into submission just for even a glimpse of this hope. Yet this is where the fear comes into play. It's like I'm torn down the middle. Both are rewarded in their own ways. But one has such a great disadvantage to my eternity, which I moan for desperately, which I moan desperately for like a wounded animal, my eternity. Mm -hmm. Yet this is a life. Yet this is a life. Yet, Yet this life is the one I'm familiar with, flesh, earth, wind, fire, sun, moon, stars, hot and cold, touch, taste, smell, sound, and sight. Life and death, happy and sad, am I a thought for this? For these changing seasons or changing emotions with its continued 360 circle of motions, for there is nothing new under the sun, planting, plucking, living, dying, crying and laughing, uh, so on and so forth. Sometimes I feel like a freaking rat on a wheel, bitter and sweet, light and darkness. I feel trapped in this chaos until it sheds its flesh, but that's what I fear. Sometimes I find myself bearing myself within myself like a child, not hiding not only his head, but his whole body deep underneath covers. Being. Wow. You know, there's some poems that I like to hear twice, and that's one yes, of them. The words are so powerful, and they're too powerful not to hear. But this time, yes. I want you to slow down just a little bit so that we can hear those words in clear fashion. Do that for me, and please start again. Yes, sir. Sometimes I find myself bearing myself within myself like a child, not hiding not only his head, but his whole body deep underneath covers, running from whatever is out there, unknown in the dark, panicking, as if there's no hope for tomorrow. At times I feel like, at times I feel as if it's unfair that I was ever born into these conditions we call life. How guilty I feel for even birthing my children into this damned world because I was too scared to walk in it, because I was too scared to walk in this world alone into this transparent darkness. How selfish of me. Oh, why have I subject my children to this chaotic way of existing? My soul has found no contentment. It is so restless. I struggle between the normalities of the flesh versus the normalities of the spirit. Yes, at times more than not, I want to live in this world without no limits. But I find soothing boundaries blocking my need to fit into this lackluster world. It's almost like hope I cannot touch. That's why I beat my, my flesh into submission just for even a glimpse of this hope. Yet this is where the fear comes into play. It's like I'm torn down the middle. Both are rewarded in their own ways. But one has such a great disadvantage to my eternity, which I moan desperately for, like a wounded animal, my eternity. Yet this is yet this is yet this life is the one I'm familiar with. Flesh, earth, wind, fire, sun, moon, stars. Hot and cold, taste and touch, smell, smell and sound and sight, life and death, happy and sad. Am I a thought for this? For this changing season, for these changing seasons or changing emotions, would it continue 360 circular motions? For there is nothing new under the sun. Planting, clucking, living, dying, crying and laughing, uh, so on and so forth. Sometimes I feel like a freaking rat on a wheel, bitter and sweet, light and darkness. I feel trapped in this chaos until I shed this flesh. But that's what I fear. Sometimes I find myself bearing myself within myself like a child, hiding not only his head, but his whole body deep underneath covers being. Wow. 
absolutely yeah. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. How did it feel Thank to slow it down just a little bit? Because your voice sounded so different. It sounded more as if you were into it the second time around. How did that feel? It felt like I was there the first time I, I wrote the poem. It felt, mm. yeah, I felt the emotions. The first time I was nervous, yes. but the second time, mm-hmm. I'm happy that you said that. Yes. 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 I mean, it's so important. I see why you won the award for best author in Kansas City, the People's Choice Award. Oh, well, let me ask you this question. So <laughs> let me ask you this question. Now, when you think about writing poetry, how does a poem begin for you? Is it with an idea, a form, or an image? How do you do it? Sometimes it can be all three. I can tell me. Drive down. I can drive down the street and see something, and it just throws me into writing, or some music and a thought come in my mind and I can see it in my mind which I could which the form of the poem comes out and um the image I could see a person or I think of a memory or something. I'm kind of a free writer, you know what I'm saying? So yes. it could be any it, it could be anything that can inflict a poem. It could be anything that can provoke a poem, or it could be anything happy or joy that can make a poem come back uh, around to me. I'm kind of a more of a heavy poet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, please share another. Yes, sir. I love this poem. It's called Fairy Tale. When I was younger, I kind of, um, I'm going to let the poem kind of explain itself. And I call it fairy tale. I like this poem because I I would love for a lot of young younger teenage girls to listen to it because this poem is actually almost like a narrative telling a story. It's called fairy tale. <laughs> I got a fairy tale to tell. I got a I got a story to tell. Fairy tale that never came true. It began with a choice I made at a very young age. I prayed you diamonds would never have to go through. See, I was living on dreams and wishing upon stars and even comparing my life to sitcoms I seen on TV. It was like walking by a convenience store shopping and saying in my mind, this is how my life is going to be. I had it all planned out from my new beginning to my happy ending. See, it was all about me. The only thing I had to do was sit and wait for my soulmate to choose me. My grandmother taught me to save myself and wait to keep my virginity. Never had I thought in a million years I would compromise and give it up too, give it up too early and too soon. My grand, grandmother said, if you do it the way God planned it, he will bless your union and happy you two will be. I was sticking to the plans of God, and that's the way it was going to be. Then I met this young boy. He was just a few years older than me. He had a beautiful smile and gorgeous dark skin, and on top of that, he had a jerry curl, and that was, and that was what, what was in started out as friends. Then he took interest in me. He had me smiling from cheek to cheek. Yes, he popped the question. Can we be more than just friends? He blew my mind. He also knew my stand. Shoot. He had me believing he was God's sent and a part of the Almighty's plan. After school, he would meet and greet me at my front door and stairs and hold my hand. I was convinced he was content. Never did I think he would ask for anything more. Trust me, it was from the stairs to the door. Eventually, was sitting on, on my bedroom floor watching TV, living on dreams and wishing upon stars, saying this is how our lives are going to be. Fooled by his angel eyes that beckoned me to believe his lies and compromise my virginity. But that was not the end of the story. He left and took my glory. Guilt and shame ravished my soul. I lost half of me. So I looked for that part of me and others with the same beautiful smile and gorgeous dark skin. But in the end, I was 15 years old carrying a baby. Yet I was still someone's child. I dropped out of school from the feelings of the blues, trapped in a cycle that had me running to and fro. To my understanding, this began many decades ago. I cried out loud, then I remembered the God of my youth that whispered softly in my ear, allowed me to love you, trust me. I will remove all your fears. My soul went from rags to riches. My Lord gave me back double folds, my peace of mind, my self-esteem, my education, and every good thing in between. This story is true, a fairy tale that never came true. But I'm glad I got a second chance at my happy ending. 
So you see, it does not pay to live off fairy tales and wish upon stars and living off dreams, even television sitcoms. Please keep God first and he will give you true reality and instead of a little girl's fantasy. The end. Another amazing piece. Thank you. Another amazing piece. Now tell me why you you love it and what do you want the world to know, these young women to know, when they hear you share that poem, if they're listening tomorrow to this tape, what do you want them to know? What do you want to say to them? Because we can be, nowadays we can be influenced by so many things and being a young child, you know, being a young girl, we always dreamed about that night on, that, the night on, in shining armor and being on that horse and coming taking us away. And that's what I dreamed about. I see my grandma, my grandpa, and the love they shared for 51 years. Although it was good for me to think like that, but it was out of, it was out of season. It was not my time yet. And what happened was I stood, I believed that I would hold out, but looking at TV, listening to the music and different things like that kind of influenced my need to want to be in a relationship or being in love. And then when this guy came around and he believed that he was there and he was going to be for me, I kind of trusted him more than the words of my grandmother, and I kind of gave in. But at the end, it was more was me compromising who I was as a young lady. It compromised something that I held precious to me. And I always think, like, I want to share this poem to a bunch of young ladies because of teenagers, young girls, because I know I've been there before. I know about wanting to be in a relationship so bad. I know about wanting to be young and looking for my knight in shining armor. But the true reality, that's fantasy. Sometimes we need to wait until our mental get more mature and get our education first. Just stand on it and have more value and worth in ourselves. You get what I'm saying? I'm a little nervous, so excuse me. But that's that's all right. That's right. I understand you being nervous, so I want you to just kind of breathe. Breathe through the nose because you're doing a fantastic job. A fantastic job. Fantastic job. I'm serious about breathing through the nose. Breathing intentionally is so important, especially when you're anxious or nervous. You know. Now I have two questions before we hear another piece. Now, based on what I've heard so far, just listening to you as you share your words, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion just flowing out of your work. All right? Yes, sir. The question mm-hmm. is, do you think someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? In my opinion, no, because I think poetry is about emotions the flow of the spirit. I think you have to be very, um, you have to, sh- you can't be scared to be fragile when it comes to writing because it's the, it's the rhythm of the soul. It's the music of the soul. So I believe that you have to have some, some measure of emotion. Wow, that one line of yours you can't be scared to be fragile. Wow. That really, I kind of got goosebumps from that one, that you can't be afraid or scared to be fragile. Tell me more about that. I mean, that's such a powerful statement. When I, when I was younger, my family knows me as a crybaby, right? I'm very mm-hmm. emotional. I think that I didn't learn like three years ago about an impact. I'm very empathic, so I'm a feeler. I'm a feeler of emotions. I actually love emotions. I, I, I get teased about that because nowadays people think emotions is weak. Or if you show too much emotion, I don't mind wearing my emotions on my sleeve. Now, I learn to balance it and who to give it to and who not to give it to, but I'm an emotional person. So I have to come out with it. I remember my grandma told me a long time ago, she said, Nicole, I wish I could cry like you. I wish I could. She said, never let nobody feel make you feel shame of who you are. You are an expressive person. You're very emotional. So if you want to cry, share them tears. It's a cleansing of the soul. And I always held dear to that. My grandma's been gone now for four years, and I always held dear to my grandma's words. I looked up to her just as much as I looked up to my grandfather because they were some very powerful people.
people that was in my life. But my grandma was very, very spiritual. So I always hold dear to that. I've never been shamed to share who I am as an emotional person. So I'm not scared to be fragile. I'm not scared to be open and say, hey, this hurts today. Hey, hey, I'm happy today. Or, hey, this is, this is bothering me. I'm an emotional person. Wow. You know, I commend you for taking charge of your own life in that regard, recognizing yes. that emotions are very important and that feeling whatever way you feel is your way of feeling and not allowing yes. that to be stuffed down. You know, yes. you've written a lot of work. I mean, you're quite famous. So oh. <laughs> when you write, based on what you know about writing, is poetry letting your guard down or building a wall? What do you think? It's both. It's both. It's letting your guard down in, in words, on paper, also building a wall up. Because it, it helps me um, for not jumping in headlong. Because if I write it out, then I can look at it, and it can speak back to me. So it catches me emotionally, but I still get to share it because I get to write it down. So I, people can still see how I felt at that time. So it is both for me. I've asked that question 200 times, and I've never had anyone explain it to me like that. Oh. Wow, Nicole. <laughs> You're amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Please share another poll. <laughs> Please share yeah. another poll. Okay. With that being said, this is the only poem that I had memorized. It's like almost like the very first poem that I, I wrote as adult. And at first I didn't like it because it had so much rhythm. I mean, it rhymes so much, but I, I but when you said that about is it you had letting your guards up or a wall, and this is why I wrote this poem. It's called, I'm going to say, it's be with me, lie to me, make me feel adored. Take me to a place I so often long for. Some stimulating conversation because I'm so damn bored. Lead me to that fairy tale land off the seashore. I'm not me. You're not you. Where your disguise right? My reality is not working for me. Leave me on just for one night. See, I show no shame in sharing my pain. Just make sure you do me right. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You can take advantage of me all night. The reason why I wrote that poem is because uh, my ba my daughter's father, me and him broke up, and it was a good thing that mm -hmm. me and him ended it on friends' terms. But I was at home. I've been paying bills. I was working. I was tired. My feet hurt dealing with kids, and I just wanted to be taken <laughs> out of the reality at that time. And I knew mm -hmm. that my baby's father, William Lee, he would come and um come over and keep me company. But I knew at the end of the night the the trade instead of me allowing the trade to happen, I wrote it out so I can see so I wouldn't make it the mistake of calling him over and indulging. And when yes. I read and when I when I reread it then I it, it was like a release. It kept the walls mm -hmm. up but also let the guards down. So if you mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying. Yes, yes, I do understand. I do understand. You know, again, you've written a lot, quite prolific. All great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Well, it's a – so a lot of people ask me who is my uh, – the people, the poets that I love. One is Sojourner Truth. I love Sojourner Truth. The reason why I love Sojourner Truth, I love to read her writings because it's in her colloquial form, her broken English, and it, it pulls you into the story. If she say down yonder or in her 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 slave and African accent put together, and I get so lost, I I get so lost in that. And then it's another one. His name is R H C N. This one lady at at my job, she introduced me to him, and the way that he writes poetry is so relatable to emotions and in in women. And I caught myself devouring his book. And then it's a new poet that I. I, I, uh, I, um, I look up to so much, I call him my mentor. His name is Peter Okuma. I hope I pronounced his name right. But his, re his writings is so ecclesiastic. Now, I didn't, I, I didn't um, 
read a lot of poetry and picked poetry up, but it got to be something that really, really catch my eye. It have to be so emotional because I love the emotions in behind my poetry. I love it. I like the raw emotions in behind of it. And them three, although it's others, but them three stand out to me. All right. Let's go back in your past a bit. Okay. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? What was my early experience? It's kind of weird. Um, my very first poem, it might sound weird, I wrote it to God. I can remember being 12 years old, and, um, and I'm writing this poem, and I used to rehearse it to him all the time, and I could feel God's presence around me. Every time I would say this poem to him, but actually I didn't, it's crazy. I don't even remember that poem, but I always tell God, Lord, when I make it to heaven, I hope that you rehearse that, uh, resound that poem back to me. So then after that, I will write poetry for my friends in school about their, to their boyfriends or to their girlfriends. And I will also write love letters to my mom. And just to see the emotion on her face after hard days of work, you know what I'm saying? When she come home tired or whatever, it looked like it would give her energy and strength for the next day. So I will write poems and love letters to my mom and stick them up under her pillow because she would come straight home and go to the restroom and from the rest because she couldn't hold her bladder. So she'll be running to the restroom and then she'll, uh, uh, she will go lay down. And I know once her head hit that pillow, that arm get up under that pillow that propped her head up, she was going to run into that love letter. Or I will put it on an icebox or something for that. And just to see the look in her eyes, because I gravitate towards emotion. I knew that mm-hmm. it was something there. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Yes, sir. back. I am Michael Anthony hey. Ingram. Hello. <laughs> I'm hey. here with and Nicole Gillespie. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Let me ask this question, Nicole. You've written two books. Let's talk about the first one. Which did you write first, Transparent Moments or Mirror's Reflection? Yes, I wrote uh, Transparent Moments first. Uh, what inspired that book? It's actually a. Can you hear me? I can now. Yes. Paramoments. It was. It was just life in general. Um, it was a collection of poems down through the years. So I tell people that it was just. Paramoments is a collection of poems that I had written down through the years, and I had collected and kept it in bags and boxes and all kinds of things. And um, I always wanted to write a book. I, that was my deepest desire as a young girl, but I didn't have faith in myself. And then, you know, people would always say, oh, you always writing what you're writing. And, you know, and I would say, I'm writing poetry. And they were like, can I read? So I was kind of scared to let people read what I was writing. But then when they would read it, they were like, oh, my God, this is good. I'm looking at them. You really like it? And they, they were like, yeah. So I remember working this job um, at this hospital. And I met this young lady. Her name is Christina. And um, she would always say, Nicole, you, you, you are a good writer. You're a good poet or whatever. And so one day she just called me up. She said, listen, you got too much in you. Um, you already got a lot of poetry. Let's put it in manuscript form. And she said, we're going to do a book because she's an author as well. She was writing books as well. So that's how the beginning of Transparent Moment happened. I gathered up all my poetry, and we put it in um a manuscript and put it in book form. That's how the first book started. That was down through the years that I collected. And it took like, oh, all right. it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> well, I wanted to ask, what did you learn about yourself writing that book? Whew. That I'm an emotional person. <laughs> no, that I'm an open book. I call it Transparent Moments because I'm an open book. And that I'm strong. And that I can do it. And I can share me and not be ashamed to share me in my journey of life. Very nice. Let's talk about Mirror's Reflection. What inspired that one? Yeah. Ooh, Mirror's Reflection. I actually wrote these poems um, probably all these poems is brand new. I can't it may it might be one or two poems in there that's not brand new. It it inspired some hurtful experiences. It inspired COVID. COVID expired uh, some of the poetry. Just humans. It's like if I can read the quote that I came up with, it can explain it better. It says Truth is often mistaken for what is seen on the outside. However, truth is, the eyes doesn't lie. Yet has mastered the art of hiding the truth of oneself in plain sight. Until the mirror is held right before the face, then truth is spoken without words. The mirror's mm. reflection bounces off the eyes into the, souls that, into the soul that was never designed to lie, reflecting the image of who and what we truly are. So it would just the soul of a person getting out of how I've seen things soul of a person my grandma said the the eyes is the soul is the eyes is the gateway to the soul mm-hmm. what you see on the outside is not what you get is what's on the inside so I just mm-hmm. seen a lot that went on in, in COVID I've seen a lot with my struggle during COVID with my spirituality and what people probably perceived me as being a spiritual strong person, but I was weak and I was struggling to hold on by a piece of string to my uh, to my yeah. salvation because I was mm-hmm. going through, and that's what that's what why I wrote Mirror's Reflection. So, if you learned anything about yourself, what would it be in addition to what you shared? Anything else from writing that book? <sighs> For writing this book, it's kind of a heavy book. Um, that that I can speak up on people's behalf. That I can um, that I can be a voice of stuff I see or seen or that I really. That's kind of hard for me to answer. I don't know why. Yes. Maybe I can read it to you, but it's kind of hard right. for me to answer that. Well. That's okay. I'm going to invite you back again so you can have an answer then. All right? Yes. <laughs> so yes, don't worry sir. about it now. Yes, don't worry about it now. <laughs> Please share another poem. That's what I want to hear, another poem. You want to hear another poem? Let me see. <sighs> Let me find one. Let's, let's, oh, I know another one to share. I want to um, share a broken sacrifice. I had went through a a heartbreak, and I kind of wrote this one. It's called Broken Sacrifice. Each word written on paper, my tears have anointed, causing them to speak in an unknown tongue, bellowing for the deepest waters of my soul, where God can only make out what's being said with precise clarity. It's a language that cannot be interpreted unless God has discerned you to do so. Yet this type of pressure is so sacred that this mother tongue only belongs to God and him alone. It's a sacrifice made just for his holiest of pleasures, laid prostrating on the altar of affliction. He just cannot wait to eat contrite from, the, from his altar of brokenness. It is a food devoured by his eternal glory, purifying the aches in one's soul. The end. Wow. Nicole, let's imagine yeah. for a moment, let's imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake, all right? It's like a cake. Yes, sir. What are some of the prevalent ingredients that would go into making that cake? And the cake is the poem. What goes into making a poem? Oh. Um, hurt. 
that's the flavor to the to the cake. All right. <laughs> Some tears, um, joy, laughter, fairness, openness. All right. All right. Give me some of the ingredients. Yes, sir. All right. You know, so much is happening in the world today. There's mm-hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent. And what I want to know from you is, what is the role of a poet in modern-day society? Oh, the sound of alarm. To, 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 to be an activist, to speak out. Um, that's, that's what I think it is, the sound of alarm, to kind of be an activist. I was reading a long time ago. Not that I'm saying I'm a, I'm a prophet. I'm not saying that, but I was doing research on a prophecy, and it was talking about the signs of a prophet is a poet, and it messed me up when I seen that. I was like a poet because poets speak from the soul. They're not scared to see, say what other people are scared to say, and they ain't scared of expressing any emotion. So they speak it through the flesh, out from the spirit, through the flesh. So it's like a, a voice, darkness. Um, and everything is not dark. I'm just a heavy. I'm just a heavy poet. I'm a goofy person. I like to laugh, but mine just come out that way. I'm more of an emotional writer. So, but right. I think poets. I think poets are activists, evangelists, prophets, um, alone. That's what I can give you. All right. All right. Very nice. Now, in terms of being an advocate, in terms of sharing your work to assist people, here's my question. Tell me about a poem that you were proud of writing but afraid to share for fear of misinterpretation. Oh, it's called Polyamorous Union. All right. <laughs> I Do you have it in front of you? Yes, sir. I want to hear it. it. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. I have to tell you, I, I was scared to say this one because I didn't want nobody to, you know, think anything, but it's talking about the spirit and getting, um, I, I'll just explain it because I don't want to just keep babbling. Um, hold on, let me, it's right in front of me. I'm sorry, I had the page open, but I kind of closed it when I was talking. Here it is. Come on, you get them out. Here it is. Called polyamorous union. It talks about, I'm going to explain a little bit of it, being in a relationship and you think you're exclusive, but you're really not exclusive. And how you can be entangled, your spirit could be entangled in a polyamorous union without you even knowing it. So this is another poem that I would love to share with women because sometimes men as well, but sometimes us women get caught up in it. And I was talking to another lady in this poem. I prayed for us yesterday to be released from that beast that walk around hitting his sweet kisses and warm embraces, tying us into knots and tangling our souls into confusion while causing blindness in the noonday so that we cannot see his many attachments, just our very own, fooling us to believe the lies of oneness, two becoming one, just us two and us alone, he and I, just like you were deeply deceived to believe too. Yet we have laid sensuously with each other's spirit unaware. He has violated us. He has manipulated our souls into a polyamorous union. Our souls tied to him and his soul tied to them and us, leaving us tied down with strongholds. No one can hear us hear our spirits cry rape. It even took me time to hear my spirit cry out for the Lord's help. This succubus enjoys sipping us slowly like one of his favorite soft drinks. Because it gives him so much energy, like a Mountain Dew. I just want to be free, and I want you just as free as me, too. I took my rose-colored tinted glasses off just the other day. That's how I found strength to pray. So I will continue to pray for us to be released from that beast that walks around hitting and sweet kisses and warm embraces. His sheep clothing seemed to fit him so well. I was, I was, I'm, I'm finished. That's the end of it. I was too scared to even put that, because sometimes I share some of my um, poems on Facebook, but I was too scared to put that down there because I didn't want nobody to perceive it in the wrong way. All right. And All I, right. I wanted them to, 
forget that we can get soul ties and tied down with strongholds as women and men when we involve ourselves mm-hmm. in relationships that's not of God or something we try to make happen. We kind of be blindsided. Now, what kind of when you posted it? What kind of feedback did you receive? That one I never posted. You so never posted. Okay. okay, I never posted that one. Well, based on what I heard, I think you should. Just think about it, all right? Just think about it. (laughs) Now, if you had an opportunity to live in a different era as a poet, when would you have wanted to live? In a different time period? What? It might sound crazy. I would have loved pre-antebellum stages. Did I say that word right? Um, yes. Uh, yes, I would have loved to be there because I look up to um, Moses, um, Black Moses. I think mm-hmm. I would have been a straight activist. I think I would have been um, fighting for my people, you know? I'm, I'm always yes. intrigued by the stories. I'm always intrigued by that. And my mama always say, honey, you probably would have been lynched. Real quick, or hung. All right. <laughs> now that's a possibility. <laughs> that's a strong possibility of that one. <laughs> Your mama didn't lie. <laughs> yeah. and, when I say, and when I say that, I don't want it in a racist type way because it was a lot of people like the Quakers and everything that helped out too as well. You know, like mm-hmm. the Amish and, you know, to leading to freedom. But the point was, the point would be that I would want my people to be in, set free, to be treated as humans, to, to have dignity and have and treated with integrity and morals. So I always fantasize about some days and who I would be in them days because I would be a voice. Mm-hmm. I know I would truly have been a voice, yes. Oh, very nice. You know, we do have a caller here, and I'm going to bring this person on. It's area code okay. 402, the first three numbers are 403. You're on the air with Nicole. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. <laughs> do you have a question for Nicole? Yes, I do. Nicole, I, I'm listening to this broadcast, and you are phenomenal. I want you to know that. You are phenomenal. I have both your Thank books. You. And I totally, totally love your writing. So most of the questions I was going to ask, he's already asked, but you talk a lot about your grandmother and your grandfather. And they seem like they inspired you to be the best you could be. Now, knowing that, would you say that your grandmother and your grandfather would be over the moon proud of you at this very moment? Yes, my my grandfather Chef will be poked out so big. He he wasn't a man of many words. He was a very sound man, but he he gloated over his grandkids with a look and a smile. And my grandmother, oh my God, I will I always think about if my grandma can see me today, if she can see me today. I can remember when she passed away, and I got that she was preparing me. You get what I'm saying? She was preparing me yeah. for life. She was preparing me for our home going. She was preparing me to be me, you know what I'm saying? So if she could see me in my yeah. element right now, if she could see me yeah. wearing those shoes, my shoes just right right now, it would just knock me over the moon. <laughs> and what were both yeah. of their names? My grandmother's name is Emma Holman, and my grandfather's name is Ralph Holman Sr. <laughs> yeah, and they should be proud. Thank you for the yes. honor of listening to you tonight. It has been truly a blessing. And I know, and I say this, that you're going to be on New York bestseller list. (laughs) Remember that. Oh, Lord. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Very nice. Thank you, caller. (laughs) Wonderful question. All right. (laughs) All right. All right. Y'all got got me over here blushing, y'all. Come on now. Well, it's okay. We deserve to blush. (laughs) <laughs> we work yeah. hard being poets. We work hard. Yeah. But that's the question for you. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? That's my question. Oh, I, 
yes, sir, now I really believe, yes, I really truly believe. I believe that's my calling, one of my callings, mm-hmm. yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, what surprises you most about being a poet? Um, um, so what surprises me most is because um, I'm dyslexic, and, I, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that. It's not severe, but it's enough. And um, when, you, when I write, it comes out. That's why I love to be so creative because I could twist words around and all that just by trying to explain myself to people, right, sometimes. So when I write, it comes out at a different flow. It don't come out sometimes with struggle. You know what I'm saying? Like the yes. metaphors and everything, and it blows my mind. So my speaking and my, my writing, my poetry is on a different plane. And I discovered that. So that's why I love to write. And a lot of people ask that. Sometimes I write poems within five or ten minutes, and they're like, you wrote that poem, i got to get it out. But I, I, I noticed the flow of it. So, yes, and I'm addicted to it. All right. Well, before you share a poem, I just want to know, how important to you is it to take part in poetry readings and other live events, and do you share your poems with anyone before you decide they're completely finished? Oh, I got a couple of friends. I, yeah, I got a couple of friends that I drive crazy in my mom. Um, <laughs> I will call them up and I'll be like, listen to this. I have a friend. Her, she's in Chicago. Her name is Kimberly. And I have another friend. Her name is Sheree Irvin. And I will call them up and say, listen to this. Do you like this? And I just disturb them. Um, even my younger daughter, um, she, I drive her crazy with um asking her to listen to my poetry before I display it or something. But what's crazy about it, I'm kind of an introvert. And mm-hmm. it took, I don't do, like, appearances or anything like that, just once in a blue moon. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody might talk me into getting up to do spoken word or something like that. So I kind of mm-hmm. found security in writing it down, right? Because some poets mm-hmm. just write poetry. But I noticed that some people request to hear my voice. And yes. do the poetry because they say they like the emotion in behind of it. So I have to yes. get, out my comfort, get out my comfort zone and get up on stage and start performing. Well, you know, you know I, I think that would be important. Like, as you said again, every you don't you don't always need to do that. You know, every now and then, if you want to call it that, share your voice on stage. It's a different. It's a as you know, it's a different feel to it. It's a different energy. When you have people around yes. you, it's just a different yes. energy, different, different yes. energy. Please share another point. And I have it. Yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are we going to say? And I have, it, I have experienced that a couple of times. I went to the Blue Room. It's a place mm-hmm. here in um, Kansas City. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blues and jazz district. And on my very first poem I had did, I went down there, and I felt like I was in my element up there. It's just yes. me up there. So I really, I did mm-hmm. enjoy it. And I tell my daughter, mm-hmm. when I get up there from time to time, I can, I enjoy it. I don't feel like a fish out of water. I really mm-hmm. feel like I'm swimming with the current. Well, I'm going to share that I feel the same way when I'm on stage sharing a piece. I feel like I'm in my truest essence during that time. And while I'm sharing, nobody can hurt me. Nobody can hurt yeah. me. But it's only when, when I leave the stage, that's when I start yeah. feeling vulnerable again. Like, what did I yes. say? What did I do? Yes. <laughs> but it's, when I'm in it, so I'm in it. <laughs> yes, that's me. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's, I have a poem that's called Complacency. All right. Here it goes. Some nights I find myself waking up in a cold sweat with heart racing. Not because of a nightmare, but fear of missing heaven from being lukewarm. Feeling okay when I'm not, neither cold or hot. Complacency was one of the derailments of the days of Noah. And I have this feeling I'm dancing with the same old ancient demon that Lot's wife danced the ballroom waltz with so gracefully. Some nights I find myself waking up in a cold sweat with hard racing. Life is comfortable and not so harsh anymore. So kneeling at the altar, offering my tears as a sacrifice, sacrificial gift is becoming far and more in between. I'm running from religion, but it's chasing me because the space where a relationship used to be is almost vacant and it's trying 
and it's trying to occupy it rent-free, bringing more company. Contentment is a wolf in sheep's clothing, especially if the blood of the lamb has recruited me into his army. But I'm just chilling like I'm not in a war, indulging in a false sense of peace. I just know that Trojan horse is at my front door. The art doors are about to close, and I'm a very aware and I'm very aware this umbrella can fight off all this rain. I don't know how to swim. Some nights I find myself waking up in a cold sweat with heart racing, not because of a nightmare, but fear of missing heaven from being lukewarm, feeling okay when I'm not, neither cold or hot. I'm finished. All right. You know, I think this next question kind of follows that poem, and you've already answered, I think you have, but let's just want to go about it one more time. Do you okay. find any connection between your health, physical or mental, and your relationship with poetry? Yes. Exactly. Talk to me. Yes. So if I'm not if I'm anxious or I'm having anxiety or something, um, I have to write it down because I'm going to internalize it. If I don't, I get headaches. Um, it, it, it just it, it affects to me because I'm a deeply emotional person. It affects me, so that's my therapy. It's my relief, so I can keep a healthy, a healthy soul, a healthy spirit. All right. Let's take a brief break. Let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Just a brief break. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm here with the wonderful Nicole Gillespie. Now, you've published these books, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and they have five-star ratings on Amazon. So yes, sir. have you had an opportunity to do, because you're gaining recognition, have you had opportunity to do book signings? And if you've not, what cities or countries would be definitely on your book tour? Now that COVID is almost over. <laughs> What would be on your book too? Where would you want to go? <laughs> I would I would love to go to Texas. I would love to go to New York. Um, um not so many places. I'm like I said, I'm kind of an introvert, so um my daddy just got me with traveling. So, yeah, Texas is a big part of where we be we going to or go to a lot. So I know Texas would be a, a good place to like do a book signing or something like that. Well, I hope you achieve your goal because you deserve it. It's a well-deserved goal. Now, all poets (laughs) have several words that come up over and over and over again, words or sentences that they just can't help but use in 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 their work. Excuse me. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use and why? If you can think of three. If I could think of three. I don't know. I can't think of none right now. Can you think of anything okay. that you've heard over and over <laughs> Well, I mean, you talked about spirituality and God yes, and yeah. and love and hurt. And love. And yes. you, talk, you talk about hurt quite a bit. You talk about hurt quite a bit. Yes, and maybe you didn't use that particular word, but I could hear hurt and how you shared it. So maybe that's yes. what I heard in terms of hurt. Yes. Does it yeah, hurt you to write poetry? That's the question. Does it hurt you to write poetry? Why or why not? Oh, yes. Sometimes it does hurt. That's that's where Talk the raw emotion comes from. That's where okay. the raw emotion comes from. So mm-hmm. it just spills over. It has to, and I like to catch it like that. 
I like to catch it when I'm hurt, so it can so so they can mm-hmm. understand that this hurt right now. And I want you to feel every emotion that I'm writing on this paper because I want you to get it. I want you to get the metaphors that I use to explain it, to express it even more. I want you to get it. I want to pull you into it. Mm-hmm. I had uh, my cousin. I have a cousin, Deborah, and she um, a couple of books to uh, some ladies. And one of the ladies' son had passed away, and she said, Nicole, she was so taken in by that book, she just wept, and she cried, and she wept, but she loved it because she felt the emotion of loss because I share things about my family. I lost a lot of people at one time in my family, um, not at one time, during a span of like five or six years. We experienced a lot of death, and I wrote about mm-hmm. that, and a young lady can relate every word. My cousin said, Nicole, she can relate with every word, and she just cried. And she loved the book. And I, 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 I like that because I want people to know I understand, too. I get you, too. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. I know it hurts. See? Mm-hmm. I, can, I, I can be, I can console you because I've been there. Yes. Yes. Now, you've been writing for a while. If you had an mm-hmm. opportunity to tell your younger writing self anything, what would you tell her? Girl, what was you so afraid of? Why did you fear the people? Mm. I I had fear of criticism. I had fear of rejection. I had fear of people were going to make fun of me. And now I'm not like that because I've always been different. You know, usually when you run into an empath or uh, somebody that's an introvert or something, they're kind of different. I get it. And I knew that I was a different person or a very emotional or caring person because that's kind of odd and taboo in this world nowadays. So mm-hmm. I learned how to deal I learned how to deal with that now. I'm like that now. I learned how to deal with that now. But I would have said Nikki Bug. That's my nickname. Nikki Bug. All right. You <laughs> No girl. You 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 own it. This is what God blessed you with. Walk proud. Mm-hmm. Regardless of people criticizing you or not understanding where you come from or the type of deep thinker that you are on yourself. That's, you know, I think about, but I'm happy that I went through that because it was, a, mm-hmm. it was, God was strengthening me. It was like a muscle he was strengthening me. So now I get it. And it's no stopping now, but I would tell that younger girl, Nikki, like, girl, you, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. And people going to like it. Some people going to relate mm. to me. Wow. You know, Nikki Bug, we've almost <laughs> reached the end of our poetic journey together. Yes, sir. I really don't want it to end, but we've almost reached the oh. end. Yes, <laughs> so I'd like you to, to, to share one more poem as a way of saying goodbye. One. Yes, ma'am. I, this, this one is called, I Want to Dream About a Revival Tonight. I want to dream about a revival tonight as I sleep, like a tent revival. Brothers of the churches to sit up front and begin to sway back and forth, forth while they whip, while they weep as they hummed out hymns ushering the spirit of God in because they were seasoned enough to know how. Where the preachers preached so hard that a handkerchief wasn't enough to wipe the sweat from their brow that would eventually run down, saturating their Sunday best dress shirts. I want to hear the choir sing in the in my dreams from their souls and not from their mouths because the church has forgotten how. In my dreams, I want to hear the choir sing from their souls and not from their mouths, causing the congregation to worship and praise in a silent week or boisterously, or boisterously with hands held high as to touch the hem of Christ's garment or head bowed low in surrenders to his will. I want to dream about a revival tonight as I sleep, like snotty, like snotty noses and ashy faces from Kleenex, Kleenex crumbs caught on faces, from tears of praise with runny noses that purify the soul, where fellowship was, was so tender and sweet because God's presence filled the room with gentle, tight hugs that can be felt by tender spirits and Christ's warm embraces. I want to dream about a revival tonight as I sleep because the reality is the falling away has gotten real. Prophecy is now being revealed. Wow. You know, as you think about your entire body of work, 
what piece of advice would you give to your readers? What piece of advice would I give to, to, to my readers? To your readers. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, just take it in. Um, just, I really don't know. Enjoy. No, I'm just playing. But, all right. Um, all right. To all see, right. To, to, to see me, to understand mm-hmm. Or me mm-hmm. saying to them, I understand you because I know I'm not the only one that's been through the other one, the only one that's been through trials and tribulations or heartache or brokenness or anything. I want them to get mm-hmm. that I get them. I want them to All get right. that. All right. Where can listeners to this program find your work? On Amazon. I'm I'm on Amazon. Oh, Amazon.com. All right. Hope oh, everyone Amazon. heard that. Transparent Moments and Mirror Reflections are on Amazon.com. How can listeners yes, stay in touch, Nicole? How can they stay in touch with you? Well, um, so I'm kind of new at this, so I'm learning mm-hmm. about emails and websites and different things like that. I actually got a cousin. She's helping me out with that now because I'm not a structured per- person, and I'm learning how right. to be structured. I'm not running against mm-hmm. it anymore, but I'm learning how. So I'm building a website, and actually, I have an author's page on Amazon. It's called right. uh, yeah, Amazon.com, Nicole Heart Desires. All right, very nice. What's next mm-hmm. for you, Nicole? Where do you go from here? What's next on your list? I'm writing my third poetry book, but it's kind of just, <laughs> it's going to kind of have a twist to it. It's gonna be kind. Of, mm. I want it to be kind of yeah. I want it to be kind of read as a um, a novel, non-fictional, okay. real life. But I want to have poetry laced in it. I want to talk about the poems and everything, and give a storyline, and then lace the po- some poems within it. And it's hard. It's hard because there's a lot of thinking and sweat that comes with that. But I'm well, working on my third book. When you finish it, you let me know so I can invite you back so you can share it on the yes. air. All right? Yes, Dr. Ingram. I appreciate you so yes. much. Well, I want to bring your daughter on, if that's all right. And that's see if she fine. has any comments. All right. Yes, sir. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking of your mom tonight? Good job, Mom. She's she's a a nervous Nelly. Right. (laughs) Do you have any questions for your mom before we go about her writing? Um, Not really. All right. I think I know. Well, I want to take things. I'm the one always listening before she puts it out there. I hear it be calm. (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. All right. <laughs> well, good people, we have reached the end of another program. Amazing program. I want to thank you, Nicole. Because to me, I, <laughs> I just want to say that your poetry is like food for the soul. Oh, thank you so much. I wrote that down earlier as I was thinking about that. And I said, it's like food for the soul. And also, I'm so glad you got in touch with me. So glad you got in touch with me because it's poets like you, people like you, that give me the strength and the energy to continue doing what I'm doing. Yes, and I appreciate your platform so much. Thank you so much. I felt really uplifted tonight. So, again, thanks for uplifting me. Oh, Thank you for uplifting me. Thank you for having me as a guest. Thank you for trusting me enough to be on your show. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, so well, much. hey. <laughs> I wish you nothing but the best. And like the caller said, you're going places. You're going oh, places. I can you. see it. I can oh, see it. I can you. feel it. Ooh. All right. Thank you. <laughs> we made it through another. Final. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to thank again Nicole Gillespie and the callers and just everybody. I want to thank the listening audience. And you know I share this statement every week, that poetry ring 
somewhere throughout the land. All right. Yes. Take care, everybody. Until next time, good night. Good night. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.